Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. I wonder if any of you have ever, you know, felt like, who am I? You've paused and you've stopped and you thought, who am I? What am I about? Where am I going? Let's just pray as we open the word. Father, I just pray that this, this word would just leap off the page to us, God, that you would just speak mightily through what was um, prepared by your spirit today for us to receive. And we just know that it will last for eternity. Your word achieves its purpose every time it is brought forward. And so, Lord, we pray today would be no exception. It would achieve the Spirit's work in us through Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There was something of a sort of a, an assurance or a, it was quite assuring to have a little family uh, devotion night in our house growing up. It was usually a Sunday night and it probably wasn't every Sunday night to be fair. And, um, but after my mum would read a scripture, which was normally my dad's favourite, which was Romans 12, dad would then pray in old English with lots of thou's and thy's. Out of respect, he would conclude with uh, saying, you are the great I am. You know, we first hear this term for Jehovah God in Exodus 3 verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you. Well, this famous verse uh, comes after God had called Moses to a, a burning bush where he speaks or where he spells out a massive rescue plan for his people. And he calls uh, Moses and he says to him, uh, he calls Moses to lead, lead this great rescue plan. So after Moses asks the usual, you know, questions about his suitability and qualifications, he then asks, when I go to the leaders of Israel, what name shall I say has called me? And God replies, I am who I am. Just tell them, I am has sent you, me to you. And you know, whenever I hear this uh, term for God, I can almost hear the, the fire crackling in the fireplace where we used to gather for our little family devotion. And it just sort of brings it all back. And uh, for many years, I, I never really questioned my calling or who I was or what I was, what I was doing uh, with my life. And I, I didn't really want to be anyone else. I didn't want to be anywhere else or do anything else. I just sort of felt it was okay what, what God had called me to do. But about 15 years ago, just being honest, I began to ask, who am I? Who am I? Um, we'd handed over the, the leadership of the youth group that we pioneered with Blaine and Janet. And, uh, and I sort of started to sort of say for the first time in my life, Wow, what next? I felt, now what? And there was this huge emotional attachment to the youth, but we just knew 
in our hearts that that season was over. And after running an outreach in, in Huntley here called Impact World Tour, which was quite a high, I was a little bit feeling a little bit like Elijah, I crashed. I was in a spiritual wilderness for a time. And one day I was working in a new district and, uh, and a local pulled up. And I sort of sensed a little bit of animosity because I might have been stealing his work, you see. <laughs> so I, I greeted him warmly and I said who I was and he paused. He looked me up and down and then he said, I know who you are. <laughs> and I thought, after I pondered this little, what had just happened, I thought, hey, I'm really who I am because I'm not sure that I know who I am <laughs> anymore. <laughs> what am I doing here? Working way out of my normal patch here. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I had that little kind of period of time, a season, I guess, where I thought, who am I? Yeah. And I've, you know, wondered if you have ever asked that question too or if someone that you live with is constantly asking that question. And some people would call that a midlife crisis. And some would say that it was just sort of like reinventing yourself or um, resetting priorities or perhaps even trying to reboot passion. And there's young people I know that sort of are drifting right in well into their 20s before they actually find themselves, as they say. And then at the other end of the scale, we have empty nesters saying, gosh, where have the years gone? Where have the years gone? What is my role now? You know, what's my purpose? And some people simply just want to reinvent themselves on their own. My daughter-in-law gave me a book called Second Wind for the Second Half. And she wondered if I would be offended. I said, heck no, I need all the help I can get. <laughs> if you find yourself in that place, and hopefully here's the, here's the positive stuff coming, uh, don't stay in that place for too long. Trust me, you don't want to be there. Get away. Take a bottle of water, climb a hill, and don't come home until you've heard from God. Find yourself a quiet place. Get away. Pray. Don't come home till you've heard from the Lord. Thankfully, I eventually found that new chapter. And now I cherish the times that I clearly heard his voice. Because they truly are. Those times are truly like gold nuggets. Psalm 84 verse 10 says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Amen. Just a one word from the Lord is like worth a thousand from someone else. So can I respectfully then ask as we open the word of God today, who are you? Have you asked the great I am lately? You see, Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew his identity. He knew his calling. In fact, he, I love that verse. He set his face resolutely on the cross. Isn't that cool? 
It's like flint. His face was like flint set on the cross. I love that verse. He knew his calling. And this new series um, starting out today called The Red Letters from John's Gospel will highlight uh, the words that Jesus spoke, written in red in some Bibles. And over the month, we're going to focus on the statements that Jesus said about himself, starting with the words, I am. So if you could turn with me to John 4, let's read from verses 21 to 26. John 4, verse 21. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now is, sorry, now and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Ooh, goosebumps. Here in John 4, Jesus, having clearly broken every social norm by speaking to a Samaritan woman at the well, discerns something about her past and exposes some fairly personal information. You see, Jesus models how to turn natural conversation into spiritual conviction, something we all need to learn and ask God to help us with, how to turn the natural into the spiritual in a way that still conveys acceptance, love, and compassion. And Jesus uses the gift of prophecy to break down her walls of defense. And when she attempts to change the subject, he teaches an incredible truth about the Father. You see, the long-standing differences between Jews and Samaritans had been hotly debated for centuries, with neither side backing down. We wouldn't know anything about those kind of people, would we? <laughs> but in the space of a few minutes, in the space of just a few minutes, Jesus totally takes the wind out of his sails by explaining how to worship instead of where to worship. Isn't that awesome? And the answer to this woman's red herring question was just totally left field to what she was expecting. You see, when Jesus speaks of God as Father, she gains an insight into his intimate knowledge of his dad and realizes that this is the missing key to true worship. This explains the how, and suddenly the where seems way less important. 
Jesus addressed God as Father. And his disciples picked up on that and they followed suit. And later they wrote, Abba, Father, which means Dad, in Galatians 8.15 and Galatians 4.6. means Daddy. This revelation of the essence of true worship appears so simple and obvious once it's revealed through Christ that the woman wants it. You know, whatever this man's got, she wants a piece of it. You know, he is so full of the Father's love and of the Holy Spirit, she's willing to give up mediocre for life in exchange for true life. She's got a taste of heaven. Heaven has come to earth in the form of Jesus, and she wants it. You know, entrenched hatred of the Jews and all the silly arguments she brought up made way for the Spirit of God to touch her heart. In that moment, the more she shares, the more she convinced she is that her attitudes and her heart need to change. As she lets go of this racism, which is what it is between the Samaritans and the Jews, as she lets go of all that, and her poverty thinking and her low self-esteem, the spirit of praise and revelation invade her life. And she blurts out, you know, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. In a sense, it's like a prophetic word comes to her. I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And then came her light bulb moment. Could this be the one speaking with her now? Could this possibly be him? It's like this light bulb goes on. Hey, wait a minute. I'm speaking to the one who could be greater than Jacob, the one who could be greater than Moses. Could he be the one the Jews call the coming Elijah? This is where prophecy meets intimacy. You see, as the Holy Spirit is, um, gives her this revelation, as the Holy Spirit gives her you know, divine revelation, Christ changes her world by replying, I am He. Isn't that awesome? Have you had a moment when He said that to you? I am He. In all of your challenges and all of your sin and all of your shortcomings, I am He. The King of Kings has come to have intimacy with us. And yes, He wonderfully exceeded her expectation. So what about us today? Have you had that kind of encounter with the living Christ? Has he revealed himself as I am he to you? Maybe you once encountered his presence, but you need a fresh, a fresh touch 
a fresh anointing? Are you willing to let go of the old attitudes and any form of pride to receive the real Jesus afresh in worship today? You see, God says he's opposed to the pride, prideful, to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's not the where that matters, but the who and the how we worship. God inhabits, lives in the praises of his people. Psalm 22 verse 3. He just wants to come and live in us. He wants to come and live in our praise of him. Have you let him in? Have you allowed him in? Come through that, that, that door of humility. William Cowper writes, Jesus, where'er thy people meet, <clears throat> there they behold thy mercy seat. Where'er they seek thee, thou art found, and every place is hallowed ground. You see, it's hallowed ground at the foot of the cross. We discover who we are there at the foot of the cross. When we let go and we let God, when we discover who Christ is, we discover who we are. Hallelujah. And how we're to live. Jesus said, I am he. How can we not want to be his? You see, it's a surrendered heart that's the entry place, the narrow door he speaks of to eternal life. It's the surrendered heart that looks narrow, but it widens out to joy and blessing. Yes, overcoming, but a joy inexpressible when we get to know him. If you're not sure of your calling or who you are today, step one is salvation through Christ. Next, we worship in spirit and truth, letting go of the old strongholds of doubt and fear that have plagued us for years until we finally are willing and, are, and even willing to let go of arguments we've built up in self-defense like the woman at the well. The encounter with Christ gave the woman a new purpose. She now had a whole city to reach for Christ. He has a tailor-made plan and purpose for each of us, despite our past, despite our age, despite our inadequacies or feelings of inadequacy. It's never too late to find yourself. I remember exactly where I was sitting in an auditorium in Morehouse Street in Christ when the words on the screen started to touch my heart and tears ran down my face and I just I've kept these words as a memory and like a stone every day is a new beginning stay away from what might have been and look at what can be you're never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream Forget all the reasons it won't work and believe the one reason it will. It's better to try and fail 
than fail to try. If you dream it, you can do it. God spoke to my heart. I'm not too old, not too crusty. You can do it. It's never too late to find yourself. The King of Kings is calling each of us today, saying, I am he. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for this time and place to be surrendered at the feet of Jesus. And in worship, we just have said, we love you. We turn our eyes to you. You are stronger. You're stronger than anything that could come against us. You're bigger than our fear and doubt. You're better than anything on, in heaven and earth. You are the one we, we long for. You're the one we aspire to, to get to know intimately. And so, God, we just pray in this moment we would respond, yes, yes, I am here. I am who I am because of who you are. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.